New Fed minutes just dropped yesterday, laying out exactly what officials are concerned about. And they're concerned about everything that we are. So straight away, what does that tell you? The minutes show exactly why officials were ready to embrace the bond market rally and lower interest rates in December. And they also show why they've since seemingly backed off from that position. There are two very different sets at risk being debated at the FOMC. And how fitting the split personality comes in January, January being the Roman god of transitions. The Fed not quite ready on the one hand to let go of what they think of as inflation risks, while at the same time they are indeed becoming quite uncomfortable over the possible dangers from, yes, the CRE bubble. And why do we care? While the Federal Reserve has often demonstrated its lack of ability to interpret information, they have a tremendous amount of information at their fingertips. And if they're looking at that information and coming to similar conclusions as we are, that is something we need to pay attention to, even if they're sporting their and showing their own institutional bias, at least more recently. What the Fed has done in this Janus duality situation is essentially say, we see the CRE problem and that hasn't gone away. It hasn't gotten any better. But now we're coming back to more consumer price pressures and problems because the recent CPI wasn't as low as we would like. And given how we understand inflation, that's a problem for us. So the Fed is indeed split between embracing lower rates and trying to talk the market into the last little bit of insurance just to make sure their version of inflation doesn't come roaring back. The first place to start with the Fed minutes for the January 30th and 31st meeting, commercial real estate. It says in the staff presentation on the financial situation, everything that we already know, at least this part, aggregate delinquency rates on CMBS, commercial mortgage-backed securities, backed by office properties, continue to be elevated in November. That was the latest ad at the head. In the January sluice or senior loan officer opinion survey, Banks reported that credit quality was expected to deteriorate somewhat across loan categories over 2024. Again, we already knew that. That's basically the background material, but that's, it continues to pick up from there. CRE prices continue to decline, especially in the multifamily and office sectors, and low levels of transactions in the office sector likely indicated that prices had not yet fully reflected the sector's weaker fundamentals. And that as I went over on our recent webinar, that is the thing to be concerned about. The adjustment in the commercial real estate sector is in front of us. It still hasn't happened yet. We all know that prices are way down here. Valuations are still way up here. And eventually, assuming prices don't go any lower, there still needs to be a substantial amount of losses to bring valuations down with prices. And what the FOMC is pointing out here, everything that we've been hearing as far as rumors and stories and anecdotes, that there haven't been a whole lot of transactions to establish price discovery. And the prices that have been discovered haven't been great to begin with. So as more and more transactions might be taking place, the danger is that it pushes prices even further, therefore pressures, pressures valuations even more, leading to issues for the banking sector as well as the broader financial system because their losses ha have to take place. And what we don't know is once they start to take place, once these transactions begin to pick up, what happens then? 
The real danger is if property owners see prices behave in the way that they potentially could really start to go down as more volume of transactions take place, then they could just simply walk away. Or lenders that had been looking at maybe refinancing some properties and maybe willing to bite a little bit of a bullet here and make some major concessions. Now lenders are saying with prices starting to go down, nah, I, I'm just going to have to seize the collateral and protect myself the, the best I can. And when they do that, what does that mean? Once, once lenders start taking the collateral, once owners start walking away, turning over the keys that they no longer have any equity left in, what happens then? That's the real danger. Do we get into distress sales? Does that lead to more fire sales? Does that lead to the worst circumstances? Well, the Fed's minutes say we can't say no to any of that. The staff provided an update on its assessment of the stability of the U.S. financial system and on balance, characterized the system's financial vulnerabilities as notable. What does the word notable mean here? And you can understand what the Fed's doing here. These are sanitized minutes, not meant to create much of a stir. They're, they're, they're meant to provide a little bit more information than the very short statement that the FOC puts out when they make a decision. So they're not going to say, yeah, these pressures or these potential vulnerabilities are ridiculously high, but they're going to say they're notable because they are something to be concerned about. Even the Fed is saying we can't really say that they're diminished or not going to be a problem. And it continues from there. The staff judged that the asset valuation pressures remained notable as valuations across a range of markets appeared high relative to fundamentals. Again, that same problem. We know that there are going to be losses in the commercial real estate sector. It has to happen. It's the only way to readjust the system to a more stable equilibrium because prices got way out of line stupidity, insane bubble assumptions. And now we have to now we have to pay for those it's somehow. We're not really sure how, but we do know, as I mentioned in the webinar, there's going to be a lot of losses. There's a huge amount of debt that was introduced in 2021 and 2022 that's going to have to be expunged. It's going to have to be destroyed. There's going to have to be a reckoning. Continuing with the FOMC, leverage in the financial sector was characterized as notable. Again, that word. There's lots of leverage. Valuations are out of whack. We don't know what the liquidity situation is like because, back to the staff, funding risks were characterized as notable. In all of these important key elements and dimensions, even the FOMC can't say there's going to be no problem. In fact, they continue to say in their own read-between-the-lines way, these issues are indeed notable because they are realistic dangers. And it goes, it runs the entire gambit here. We've got valuations that are out of whack with prices and prices that are already low, even though we don't have a whole lot of a volume to really just tell us with any fair amount of certainty and assurance what prices actually might be. So we don't really know what happens once transactions take place. And by the way, if transactions start to take place and go in the wrong way, a lot more distressed sales than we would like and not enough buyers who have enough money and liquidity and balance sheet space to come in, that could then also lead to monetary vulnerabilities. Even the Federal Reserve minutes say, yeah, these are all more than trivial possibilities. They are notable. So given just this part of the FOMC's staff assessment of the financial situation, you could understand why back in December, 
The Fed was saying, yeah, we are talking about rate cuts. We are, we are not going to push back against the bond rally that by then was already getting to be really serious. A big jump, big drop in interest rates. And yet Fed wasn't willing to push back on them, at least in December. But then what happened in January? That's the question that we now have before us. Because in January, and now certainly in February, it seems like the Fed is saying rate cuts? We weren't even talking about rate cuts. And here the minutes show that any rational rationale for those rate cuts or, or embracing lower rates are still there at the end of January. The CRE problem didn't change. So what did? And the answer is institutional bias and the Fed's interpretation of consumer price risk, inflation as they understand it. Back to the minutes. Now we're into the participants, which are the FOMC members' discussion of the economic situation. As an upside risk to both inflation and economic activity, participants noted that momentum in aggregate demand may be stronger than currently assessed, especially in light of surprisingly resilient consumer spending last year. Furthermore, Several participants mentioned the risk that financial conditions were or could become less, less restrictive than appropriate, which could add undue momentum to aggregate demand and cause progress on inflation to stall. So basically they said GDP is stronger than we thought. The payroll report, retail sales, at least before the latest update, they seem to be good. Consumers appear to be spending. Therefore, the economy is actually stronger than we anticipated. And that, in our understanding of consumer prices, could be a potential risk. It's actually not. But their understanding of it, that could be a potential risk. And then you add to that how they view interest rates. They think of lower interest rates as accommodative and stimulative. So if the economy was stronger than expected, then last year's bond rally was unwelcome at the Fed. If the risk of inflation through this Phillips curve and expectations channels as they understand it is elevated because the economy appears to be stronger than they expected, then the last thing that they would want is interest rates to go down. So again, the Janus situation. On the one hand, the part of duality, the one part of duality, Worried about commercial real estate, ready to embrace lower rates. On the other hand, GDP came in stronger. Payroll reports were great. Unemployment rate didn't move. And interest rates are down. That's too much for the institutionally biased, inflation-fighting Fed to handle. The CRE situation didn't change, but their view of inflation risks did. Back to the minutes. Participants also noted some other sources of upside risks to inflation, including possible disruptions to supply chains from geopolitical developments, talking about the Red Sea, a potential rebound in core goods prices as the effects of supply side improvements dissipate, or the possibility that wage growth remains elevated because they always think about everything in terms of the Phillips curve. So if the unemployment rate doesn't rise and there's too much tightness in the labor market, they are deathly afraid of a wage price spiral that is absolutely no risk whatsoever. But in terms of their interpretation, they're looking at all of the data coming in, not being able to predict and forecast or not being confident in predicting and forecasting consumer price pressures. They say there's too much risk of additional inflation and too much risk means we can't, we're, as much as we might like to, we just can't embrace the low interest rates in the marketplace. But there are also downside risks to the economy that have to be acknowledged too. 
which only go to show just how institutionally biased they are as inflation fighters and how much they actually believe expectations play the central role in longer run inflation pressures. As we know, inflation is a monetary phenomenon, but as they believe it, it could be just expectations. If you and I think that the Fed is no longer going to be as as staunch an inflation fighter as it has been or as, as it has claimed to be over the last several decades, then we might start becoming a little bit more worried about longer term inflation. Therefore, we're going to start changing our behavior and acting in ways that become inflationary. So if the Fed does not prove to the nth degree that it is still the same inflation fighter as you're taught to imagine of Paul Volcker, then that is too much risk for them to, to, to allow. Therefore, what the Fed is doing is essentially overlooking all of that stuff on the downside, commercial real estate, as well as weakness they can see in the economy too, just so that they can prove beyond every shadow of every doubt, they're still the inflation fighter that they've always projected. And there are downside risks in the economy that even the FOMC is, is considering. Participants mentioned several developments that have boosted labor supply last year, including higher labor force participation, that's a good part, immigration, and an improved job matching process. However, a few participants judged that further increases in labor supply may be limited, pointing, for instance, to the decline in labor force participation in December. It wasn't just December. While labor market conditions were generally seen as strong, Several participants noted that recent job gains were concentrated in a few sectors, which in their view pointed to downside risks to the outlook for unemployment. It's basically exactly what we've said on this channel about how job gains are basically leisure and hospitality, waiters and bartenders, some construction jobs, um, hospital workers, and government. The rest of the private economy, the cyclical industries, not doing so well. While the majority appears to be more concerned about strong labor market, there does seem to be a substantial enough minority that shows up in the minutes saying, yeah, but have you seen the household survey? Because that's what they're really talking about here. And even in the establishment survey, if the economy was indeed resilient and strong, gains would not be concentrated in these non-cyclical, often non-economic industries. So there are downside risks in the real economy too. And they continued that those extend to what is going to be the biggest macro challenge in 2024. And the FOMC can see it as well. Some participants noted signs that the finances of some households, especially those in low and moderate income categories, the K-shaped economy I talked about yesterday, were increasingly coming under pressure, which these participants saw as a downside risk to the outlook for consumption. So what the Fed has done is it basically said, yeah, we still see the downside risk to the economy. The labor market may not be as robust as the majority of FOMC participants portray it to be. And on top of all of that, we do have substantial notable risks in commercial real estate that we don't know how it's going to all play out. That would seem to argue for embracing the bond rally. However, because they believe in being Volcker first and foremost, they are going to prioritize the fact that the latest CPI was a little bit bigger than expected. The PPI is a little bit bigger than expected. GDP was good to end last year. The payroll reports, the, the headline establishment survey anyway, continue to look good. 
So combined with their view of low interest rates, they take all of the wrong assumptions, throw them together and say, we're going to prioritize or at least make absolutely certain there's no chance that our view of inflation is going to become another issue. So we're going to instead, rather than openly embrace last year's bond rally, we're going to try to talk that back by sounding more hawkish and aggressive. And if we can get bond interest rates to go up and go higher again to reverse, then maybe that will be the insurance we need to make sure that the inflation risks that we see aren't going to become the issue that everybody hopes it won't be. As for the market itself, nothing much has actually changed. As far as treasury yields and government bond yields around the world, including Japan, by the way, what you see is that the historical pattern holds. Rates aren't rising because the Federal Reserve says that they need to rise. Rates are rising because after a substantial rally, this is what happens in long-term yields. You get a big drop in long-term yields, and then, as I keep pointing out, over a period of several months, they will go sideways to higher. And guess what? It's been almost two months here, and interest rates, long-term interest rates, are going sideways to higher, just as we expected. There was a point at the end of January where it appeared as if maybe the bond market would break with that historical pattern and for commercial real estate fears. So there is that underlying the bond market. So you have duality in that, in that sense too, where you have the historical pattern where rates are going to go higher, slightly higher, retrace their big rally from last year over a period of several months. And it's impossible to predict, predict how long this will play out. At the same time, keeping a very close eye on developments in the banking system and commercial real estate because the risks are more than notable. They are very real and we don't know how all this is going to play out. And that fits the Fed's agenda because as far as they're concerned, if they can get the market to do what they think needs to be done as far as interest rates, all the better. They aren't actually considering hiking rates. They're trying to talk interest rates higher in order to make sure the final last step to end the inflation threat as they see it once and for all. And as that happens, more disinflation happens in the economy. If the February CPI comes in nothing like the January one, which means the January one will be all, all but forgotten, then the Fed in its next meeting or the meeting after that will come back and say, okay, consumer price pressures, they are indeed gone. We are absolutely confident that's the case. And now we can turn our focus to all of this other stuff on the other side of the ledger, starting with the non-trivial, increasing, growing risks associated with commercial real estate, not just prices and valuations, but potentially market and liquidity issues that could come along with them. So as far as the Fed is concerned, they're still stuck between these two very different sets of circumstances and risks. When we know from basic economics, small economics, there is no risk of, cons of continued consumer price pressures. That's just the prolonged cycle playing out, the long downside of the supply shock, the long shadow of the supply shock imbalance. And the other part of that shallow is the readjustment and eventual reckoning in commercial real estate. In fact, that will be the one that takes over more and more this year from the, these thoughts and concerns over consumer prices. So the Fed is indeed transitioning. They're doing one last hurrah on their inflation fighter credentials before then turning full focus to where it should be all along. 
you missed our webinar on commercial real estate, the risks, the numbers, all of that, I'll put a link in the description so you can watch a replay. If you want to see more about the K-shaped economy and what that's all about, that's the video I've got linked below. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge, huge thank you, Eurodollar University members and Eurodollar University subscribers. And until next time, take care.